Welcome to Talking About Midlife, where we talk about life living in a female body in our midlife. We talk about health, love, relationships, our inner world, aging, death, motherhood, and what it means to be a human at this time in the world. I am Kelly Sterling, and I hope you enjoyed listening to these stories that I'm sharing. Hey, thanks for listening today. I've got Diane Shepherd, my great friend and colleague with me. Hi, Diane. Hey, Kelly. Thanks so much for having me. That's okay. Um, <laughs> Diane's been on the podcast a few times and we just love talking about stuff together and we have good <laughs> conversations and then sometimes I think well, we should have recorded that. That was so good. <laughs> um, but today, so I'm, this is the first in a series of conversations that I'm having with inspiring women that I have in my life, in the circles of of my spheres of influence, who I have seen transform in midlife and they've all got interesting stories to share. And I guess one of the reasons that I wanted to do this is there's such a negative narrative that exists culturally that when we move through this time of our life it's all over particularly Mm. for women and I do think so for some men as well like they think oh that's it but Diane and I always say you know it's only the beginning 100 percent yeah so I, I you know part of it is to hear Diane's story of her midlife transformation but also we're going to talk about um her work in particular and in midlife that we go through what is it we go through and what are the integrations and the learnings that have to happen and we're looking at it through the lens of astrology because Diane works in this space the lens of um, masculine and feminine and the lens of the transition through midlife and then into elderhood so they're sort of the three topics that we're going to talk about a little bit but I guess um it would be good to talk about your midlife transformation Mm. and what the you know what the lessons that you learned were and how it's you know really birthed uh your purpose Mm. you know your purpose being you like right being able to but also doing work that really supports you coming into your most authentic version of yourself. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Happy to share. Well, mm, yeah, it started, I guess, really around age 40. I went through menopause um, on the early side. And at that time, you know, I had three boys that were still, you know, very much in the house. They were young teens and younger. I think my youngest was seven or eight. Um, and, um, yeah, just all the busyness of being a mom and the busyness, um, kind of taking us out of really even paying attention to our marriage. My husband and I, we met in college and we're still together now, but everything was just kind of falling apart. Well, first of all, physically, I'll start with that. <laughs> so I had three big babies in the span of five years and I had a lot of pelvic floor issues that I never really dealt with. It just got, you know, in the busyness and didn't really address things. So those issues were happening like incontinence. I had a low uh, level of pelvic organ prolapse. I also had some pelvic pain um, and even sciatica. And they were all, I think, connected to, um, you know, birth trauma and things like that, you know, giving birth, that kind of trauma. But um, also emotionally, I was on a wild ride, uh, just having a lot of um, resentment and anger coming up, which I you know, wasn't really my MO prior to that period. It was just all of a sudden really right there that I had to really confront. So yeah, my marriage was kind of on the rocks and um, physically, emotionally, things were kind of really falling apart. And um, it was wild too. I even had, I remember one doctor, she was a woman too, sad, sadly, but she just like, well, yeah, it's the beginning of the end. You know, what do you expect? Um, <laughs> I was just like, what? So anyway, that it was good because it really made me angry and got me motivated to 
kind of start to ask and look around like well, there's got to be more right i think a lot of women mm -hmm. at that age can relate there's got to be more what what's the more what am i missing mm -hmm. and fortunately at the time i was following dr christian northrup um and this is way back before the internet so the newsletter in the mailbox days and so i remember getting her newsletter i was so excited every week to get it but she started talking about pleasure and I was like, what is, what is this pleasure thing? And so, yeah, how important pleasure and sensuality is for women's health and vitality and not just our physical health, our mental health, right? So then she pointed um, the readers towards um, Mama Gina. She ran this school, this woman, Regina Thomashauer, ran a, a program for women in Manhattan in New York, um, all about pleasure. And uh, mm. so I, I signed up. And then after that, I was, you know, on that pleasure train and got introduced to um, so many things, um, Taoist and tantric practices that really cultivate, you know, our sexual energy, our sensuality, pleasure. Um, but also at that same time, got introduced to um, a style of astrology that really resonated with me also through Dr. Christian Northrup, because she was a real fan of, of that as well. So mm -hmm. that was kind of the beginning. And um, it all kind of developed from there. Yeah. Yeah. And so in terms of your work what was the you know was there an inflection point or a turning point where you were like yeah this is the work that I want to do or is it is it yeah. through your own healing journey that it's just kind of slowly mm. emerged or what gave you the idea of like oh I, I want to do this Mm, I love that. Yeah, well, I was um at the time a yoga teacher and a Pilates teacher as well. So I'm the kind of person when I um, experience something physically that's working for me, I'm like, okay, this is the thing. <laughs> and I have to yeah. study this. I, I have to teach it. I don't know. I, this That's part of who I am. But it was the jade egg practice, the Taoist jade egg practice that really grabbed me. And because it really was the only thing that addressed what was going on for me um, with my pelvic floor issues and my pelvic issues. Yeah. And it was sad because I, I wasn't, the Pilates wasn't addressing it. And I was working with some of the best teachers, you know, in New York mm -hmm. city and mm -hmm. as I was doing my teacher training. And so when I got that precision of the Jade egg working like that, it's like, Oh, this is what I'm missing. And, yeah, um, yeah. Then it all started healing. And um, yeah. So then I was like, well, I've got to get certified to, to share this, you know? Yeah. Um, I can relate to that because um, I had low-level cervical cancer about seven years ago. And, um, I mean, Diane and I met in sex love relationship coach training. That's how we met. But before that, I also had read Christian Northrop stuff and I was like, what's this jade egg business? Because I'd had surgery. <laughs> On my yeah. cervix and I started I started learning it and um and then that's when I met you because that led me to that training and in the same way I'm like you if I experience something physically I'm like right okay yeah <laughs> uh, this is how it is and um you know going to well first my chiropractor uh like within a month of started using it said what are you doing differently wow and I went why and he goes because you like there's something because you know chiropractors are very spiritual but they like really yes. see deep into the body yeah. he goes there's something changing in your psyche and I was like oh well I'm using this jade egg right and I started and he was like okay and then when I went for my checkups with both my GP and my gynae oncologist they were like within, you know, this was say six months after. They're like, there's no scar tissue on your cervix. Wow. And my, my gynae oncologist is not really into that stuff, but I went, wow, amazing. And um, my GP, who's older, she's in her 60s, she's like, what are you doing? And I told her. And she <laughs> went, ah, okay, interesting. <laughs> but it is, like, it is amazing to me with the yeah. muscles in the vagina, they are so dexterous as dexterous. And I remember you oh. telling me as dexterous as your hand. Yeah. And then of course, you know, you sort of, I realized this then, you know, when I went through for my colon cancer treatment, cause I had neuropathy in my hands and I mm. lost that dexterity in my hands. And I was like, oh, shit. and it came back just with right. using them more. 
but yeah like Mm. it's incredible isn't it it's incredible and that's i think something um it's great to shout that from the rooftops right because most women don't know and we lose that dexterity unless we move it right just like you know like the the neuropathy but also if anyone's ever had uh, an arm or a leg in the cast yeah, you know, we we it atrophies, right? And we take the cast so off, we forget quickly. how to move it. You lose yeah. the, the um brain connection to that part yes. of the body, yes. but you can regain it. You know, yeah. But quite often, we don't think of our um pelvic floor and our 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 vaginas yonis in in the yoga world as being able to move. And if they, if I I'm from the school of like if there's a part of the body that can move, it needs to move to really function at its best. You know. Yes. And it's so simple, but we can easily forget that, you know? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's why that mind-body connection, like a lot of us have not been, I don't think anyone gets taught to focus their attention in their body, like that interoception skill. That's what I do. Well, you and I do in our coaching work. I do it in somatic experiencing work. Yeah. Right. Building that capacity because that helps us pick up on sensation and right. feelings. Right. And it's, you know, as you and I talk about a lot, like sensuality, my God, connecting with mm-hmm. that, it's mm-hmm. just, it's a key to working with trauma. It's a key to working with pleasure. It's just so powerful, isn't it? So powerful. And it's, um, you know, a mindfulness practice. It is a mindfulness practice. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't often put those together in in our cultures, I think. It's like, you know, pleasure and mindfulness, what? Yeah. (laughs) But it's like such a, we're we're kind of taught to check out when it comes to that stuff, right? Yeah. We check out because of a lot of good, valid reasons, right? Trauma and experiences. However, that mindfulness piece is huge to to really um, expand pleasure. It is. Well, I always think like in terms of orgasm, it's the ultimate mindfulness practice really Yeah. because it's really requiring us to be present to the pleasure that we're feeling in our body. Mm, yes. And breathe into it and feel it. <laughs> breathe into it, yeah. feel it, be feel with it. it, stay with it. Yeah. And yeah. be with any emotions as well, because yeah, those come can come up, up simultaneously. Yeah, you can be in yeah. deep pleasure, and all of a sudden, all this grief can come up, and it's like being able to, okay, we're riding this wave now with grief. Um, yeah, yeah, things like that. Okay, so let's get <laughs> yeah. into the conversation around astrology. So, mm-hmm. um, you and I were talking about this because I had been reading some books recently. Barbara Hancloud was one of the authors I read where I went, oh, my goodness, look at all the things yeah. that happen <laughs> at this time of our life. And so, mm. you know, I know you always say this to me. I've got a few astrology friends. It's like, oh, I know your path is in your chart. Like it's there. You know, you can yeah. see it. Mm-hmm. It's hard, But astrology is hard. Like I, I, what, well, mm-hmm. I've learned a lot from you. But once you get into it, it's like, well, there's just a lot of data to coordinate and synthesize here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lifelong study, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Carl Jung said that, like, for the rest of my life, something I've, I spend all my nights just studying astrology. <laughs> There's always more to learn. Yeah. Oh, so it's just like, yeah. I feel like it's a tunnel that never ends. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I love it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's the ultimate mm. synthesis skill. So tell us mm. about, so there's sort of a few sort of major uh, points we have Uranus opposition in our early 40s we have a Chiron return in our late 40s we have Venus returns having that you tell me are very significant and we'll talk about that and then something that I've read about both in psychology and in astrology which is so in astrology we talk about in this midlife transition integrating both our Venus and Mars and coming together mm-hmm. in them and in psychology we talk about at this point in life integrating our masculine and feminine mm-hmm. right and being able to be present to both not confusing masculine and feminine with gender okay yeah gender out of it yeah yeah so yeah can we talk about that oh about... my gosh my favorite things to talk about yeah yeah <laughs> it's such an inside job right always um always beautiful inside job. always an inside job 
Well, yeah, there's some really exciting stuff that starts happening um, around 40, which I didn't really know about this stuff when I was going through menopause, which I wish I did because it was really wild. Um, but the Uranus opposition usually happens from age 40 to 42, anywhere in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, Uranus is the planet of freedom. Let's just call it like freedom is a great keyword. It's really about, I like to say, shaking us up to wake us up. Yeah. And basically, I guess just for your listeners, like what this means is like the planet Uranus in the sky returns to a, a point across from your personal Uranus in your birth chart. I hope that's not too heady, but like that that's what we're talking about here. Uh, opposite. So it just activates, you know, the energy. And basically it comes along, I believe, to just um, help us bust out of any kind of contracts we made that aren't serving us, you know. And Uranus, you know, rules Aquarius. So it's all about your authenticity. It's mm. about really being your wild, quirky self. <laughs> and any kind of thing that is having us feel caged in is going to come up for revision. Now, it doesn't mean you have to like detonate your whole life, but it's more like, um, you know, Some to work with that, do. you know, so absolutely. <laughs> and I understand uh, why that would be a choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just, yeah. just to pause for one, one minute. Yeah. How sure. I see this show up in coaching work and have for years is people start questioning everything. Everything. Because yeah. the windscreen wipers are like clearing the screen yeah. and they're like, whoa, mm -hmm yeah whoa 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 <laughs> relationships work yes. stuff so so that waking up really resonates waking up yes it's a time when i think a lot of people not maybe not knowing what to do they'll have an affair or something like yeah. that not making that wrong because that could be actually a deep spiritual you know initiation someone needs to go through quite often you see a lot of people will be like actually my sexual identity is not what i'm living you know mm. i've seen a lot of women at this point um say actually I, you know I fall in love with a woman and have you know leave their husband and just get more in alignment with who they truly are and vice versa mm. and anyone in this age group from 40 to 42 you're probably seeing this either in yourself or your circle of friends like something stirring in around that kind of thing where i've seen you know men do the same like actually you know i'm, I'm gay and i've got to do that hard work of you know, having that conversation, changing our lives and readjusting because it's like, it's who you truly are. Right. And um, yeah. yeah, so it can be very volatile energy. And I think our culture in general, it's getting better at this, but it doesn't really give us the right kind of support to create the right containers and where we can work with it in a positive way quite often. Yeah. I mean, there's no, I mean, that's why I work in this space and you work in this space, right. Yeah. To help support people and create those containers. I mean, I've also mm -hmm. seen people make dramatic career changes. Yeah. I yeah. have seen people quit big jobs. I've seen mm -hmm. particularly people who were married maybe in their 20s, like go, oh, no, nah, this relationship's not for me right. anymore, right? Because right. our 20-year-old self is pretty different to our early 40-year-old self. Definitely. I've seen people go yeah. through sort of rocky stuff in their relationship and then work on it together. And then, you know, I, I think it's, I always think it's like being squeezed through a tube of toothpaste and mm -hmm. hoping you come out together at the same time. Yes. <laughs> we ended up staying together, but it was not as, you know, easy, smooth ride. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of work. Yes, absolutely. And this often is a time, I think, too, where you, um, a lot of people will just kind of attract this magic lover in a sense, externally, right? Like the magic man, or you see this like in Elizabeth Gil Gilbert's book, Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. I'm not sure the age, she was probably around this age. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, this, this guy comes into her life and it's like, oh my gosh, he's perfect in every way. And it ends up really just pointing toward her own towards her own healing work that she needed to do internally right and so you see that kind of stuff happen a lot i think in this mm. period as well mm. yeah and it's like in a way another wake up shake up to wake up <laughs> yeah 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 you're right it can be a relate an intimate or it can be a friend as well like a, a friend, a friend yeah. can mm -hmm. sort of wake you up or a work colleague that comes into your life and they wake yeah. you up to the healing that you have to do yeah yeah and it can be a bit of you know, friction, sadness, grief, and all those things 
yeah you know but yeah often that relationship comes and goes doesn't it yeah I've seen that's what I've seen yeah yeah and like I said vocationally too if um say if you come from a family system that's like oh you will be a lawyer yes <laughs> you will be an attorney like for when you hit this it's like oh wait I I actually want to go teach yoga <laughs> so I gotta go yeah or whatever it is you know yeah um, I think that happens yeah. to a lot of people though I think a lot of people like their parents project and they're like oh sure. I'm gonna go to uni and I gotta do this and I gotta do that and then they yeah mm -hmm. get to that later stage and they're like oh I don't like any of this I want to go and play music yeah. or I want to like paint this, this yeah this yeah. isn't me I want to be an artist yeah exactly yeah so it can be a very creative time as well it doesn't always have to be like yeah but um yeah, it's it's um it's a powerful trans transit. I like to say these are like initiations, you know, mm. um, initiations. And um, yeah, so there's that one. I'm sure so many people can relate. <laughs> and then Chiron <higher laughs> return. What happens with that? Chiron return. Yeah, and that happens a little later. That's um usually age 48 to 52. It varies. And Chiron, um, you know, at first was considered an asteroid. Now it's considered like a, a lesser planet. So I'm not, I don't know the astronomy that well. But Chiron, um, this is uh, a time of life of deep healing. So the mythology behind Chiron is the wounded healer. Mm -hmm. And the, why I think this is such a beautiful initiation is when we do the healing work um, of this Chiron return, it becomes medicine for others. And this is the exciting part where your purpose, you know, going forward might be opening up in a different way. Mm. Um, Cause the more you do your own inner work, it's like you just become sort of a magnet for other people who are needing help or support around that similar issue. It's kind of mm. fascinating. And Did that happen to you at that time? Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I was deep in already in the pleasure um, journey and studying astrology. And then I was like, oh, I'm going through my Cairo return. How exciting. And it was all about spirit into matter. It was all about sacred sexuality and um, embodiment. So I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Mm. So, yeah. So and, yeah, for mine was in 20... 21 my car on return mm -hmm. and yeah about the same for me I would say those things uh-huh but also the trauma quite, resolution work as well yeah. yeah yeah and quite often that there these can be tender parts of ourselves right so mm. we'll seek out communities that support us in that which we both did mm, <laughs> and mm. then you know <clears throat> that kind of healing and um just really expanding our emotional capacity, I think, is a part of that journey, our emotional intimacy, which, again, we're, we don't have great tools usually in our societies, but it's changing. Mm. But really getting more, um, I don't know what comfortable is not maybe the right word, but more skilled at feeling our grief, more skilled at feeling our anger is a big one, <laughs> anger and rage and yeah. um and the healing power of that, the gems that can come from that. I know you're no stranger to that because it can, there's always wisdom and a gift from these strong emotions that move through us. Um, yeah. But the Chiron, you know, journey can last anything from a year to two years. Um, the orbit is very erratic, you know, other, you know, compared to other planets, mm. but it is a time. Yeah. It's a very much about, and your chart will kind of tell you, the kind of the flavor of the healing journey that you're on and um it can it, what's kind of cool about chiron too you'll get kind of three passes oh for example when chiron moved into aries this is a while back now you know everyone with chiron and aries will feel that to some degree but when you're in your return it comes closer to your natal chiron from your birth chart right so it kind of comes in for one like swoop and like you feel it more intensely and then it gives you a break it kind of eases up yeah and then it comes in again for a second round and you're like oh here we go again <laughs> and then it eases up and then there's a third pass and then it's like and then it finally completes and moves on but because of all the retrogrades in the erratic orbit so you get three opportunities but also breathers in there too to kind of like digest integrate and then come back into the healing so i think ah, that's kind of, kind of yeah, fascinating i'm an aries well that's so interesting and that makes a lot of sense and actually just listening to you what was coming up for me 
when I was listening to you is, you know, often in menopause we get those big emotions as well. And mm-hmm. for a lot of people that menopause transition coincides with this time. Yeah. And what I observe, like I also know that hormonal shifts and we know in perimenopause the swings are really big can bring up old trauma that we've disconnected from right Uh, and so not just trauma but emotions we've disconnected from and so I was as I was listening to you what was coming up for me was huh that's interesting because the Chiron return brings up those big emotions but you know menopause can do that and to what extent is it the Chiron return doing all of this versus that perimenopause time because because when you know perimenopause like when does it start when does it end is so different for everyone whereas the Chiron return kind of happens pretty much in that late 40s time doesn't it yeah that's so interesting Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. (laughs) good time to do deep dive into healing (laughs) yeah Yeah. well that's what I think it's like you know Mm-hmm. it's like a trigger you know get curious about it yes you know it's the same thing right if you're feeling these big emotions get curious about it get curious about it yeah don't be afraid of the tough stuff because that's where the treasure lies that's where know? the treasure lies and yeah. it's showing you there's a wound and yeah. your neurophysiology like an old neural pathway mm-hmm. is playing out in a present situation Yes, yes. And this with Chiron, I found too, can often, or probably always is intergenerational. Like there's, you know, kind of a karmic component. Um, Yes. And I, what, what the Chiron journey is just for me, so, so infused with hope too, because it's not just about, oh, we have to dive into our wounds. It's like, ah, it gets to be medicine for others. So if that can inspire your listeners too, of like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. like it, it's worth it, right? It's worth it. Cause you, you will probably uncover gifts that you don't, you're not even aware that you have to, to really help others. It's really amazing. Yeah. And then what about Venus return? Because they happen every eight years, don't they? Yes, that's so interesting because, um, yeah, the way I work with Venus, it's like part of the sacred feminine that lives in all of us, you know, regardless of gender. Um, and every eight years, um, we all get a Venus return, you know, all the all humans. And that's just an invitation, initiation again, um, to really come into um, the a deeper expression of the venus essence that you came here to express and explore and embody and it's going to be so unique to every human being like that's the beauty of astrology too it can really show you just how nuanced this is it's you know can you can get really deep with it um and but just knowing your sign can be helpful but there's also house and planets aspects and many many other deeper things um but every eight years we have an opportunity to um go deeper into these venusian mysteries if you will and really, you know, um, connect with the body, connect with pleasure, connect with um, all the things sacred to Venus, you know, including love relationships and all of that. But it's so much more than that because every human has their own very unique expression of Venus. So Venus in Pisces is going to look really different from Venus in Aries, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's really just a lot about who you are, you know, your authentic identity in, in that way as well. Mm. So um, yeah, every eight years. So that would bring us to, you know, 40, 48, 56 and 64 for mm. the age group we're talking about. So you get a lot of opportunities to take a deeper dive with the sacred feminine too, which I think is pretty fascinating and i see a lot of women who join to my work quite often they'll come and like oh i'm in a venus return huh (laughs) you know it's like so and i think intuitively a lot of people are are living this right we don't need astrology but it could just help kind of an affirmation of like what you're kind of already intuiting you know yeah yeah it's and there's a you know that intuition comes there's a curiosity for some people, a yearning, you know, mm-hmm. interest in particular topics. I find with myself, my body always tells me, and there's there's different ways. So 
if it's a practice that I'm familiar with and haven't done for a while, I'll feel an urge to do something. Mm-hmm. For example, if it was jade egg and I hadn't been doing it for a while, I'll be like, my body will just be like, jade egg, jade egg, jade egg. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and or, you're seeing you know, them everywhere. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, like the, the book jumps off the shelf at you. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. if it's, if it's a topic, I'll just get obsessive about a topic mm. and I'll just want to know everything about it and then learn it and how can I put it into practice and, and it always ends up being a good medicine for me. Mm. I love that. Mm. It's so, but, you know, that's me. Everyone's different, right, and how that sure, sure. intuition kind of comes yeah. up. So. So can we talk about like Venus and Mars and then sort of move into, you know, more conversation around the feminine? Because mm-hmm. I think we always think about the 40s as being the really tough time in midlife for a lot of people, like, oh, midlife crisis. And and maybe that's the Uranus <laughs> opposition stuff. But the whole time is just a massive transition. Yeah. And even the 50s, right, a lot of stuff comes mm. up for people in their <clears throat> 50s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I can see this and so part of me is like oh well you know we want to connect with our life force energy and we do that like we can go internal and do that and connect with our bodies which is the work that you and I do and sometimes people project that out outward and that Mm -hmm. manifests in a number of different ways but often with wanting to connect with things that they did when they were younger right, Mm. that made them feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of emotional growing up that needs to happen at this time and to just pick up on something that you said earlier about waking up, there's a lot of waking up that happens, right, at that that sort of early stage. But that also comes with, you know, wanting to be your authentic self means there's a lot of letting go of old stuff that has to happen. Yeah, old patterns, or you know, and the yeah, the there's also like the grief that comes. You know, we have these aspirations when we were younger that we thought that our life would be a particular way, and then we get to this stage of life, and it's like nowhere near what we thought right. it would be. <laughs> and then, but with that comes sadness, right? No, there's definitely grief. I'm I'm just laughing because I don't even think that way anymore. <laughs> no, no, either do no, I. No. As I was saying it, as I was saying it, I don't. I, I remember thinking that way and I'm like, wow, I, thanks for pointing that out. I didn't even realize that I didn't yeah, do yeah. that anymore. <laughs> I know. That's exactly right. And and I have noticed since I've gone through menopause, like I just there's just so many things that don't even come up in my brain anymore. Right. Because I don't care about them. In a good way, right. In a right. good way, yeah. Not, like, way. Not, not that I'm losing my mind and I've forgotten. It's just I literally <laughs> do not yeah. care about that stuff anymore. And exactly. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. But, yeah, there can, yes. be, a lot of, there, there can be a lot of sadness. And, you know, you and I have talked about this. Like I, this emotional maturity is really, really important. And it doesn't just happen magically. You've actually got to go and do the the work, right? Go and do the inner work on yourself. And I think this is really an important time to do this work so that we can transition into elderhood. There's something that happens. So we, we want to wake up. We want to, you know, be more present to our life force energy. But at the same time, a lot of us come face to face with our mortality. So we have Eros, life force, energy, and then we have Thanatos, which is death energy, right? And, like, I can see why people avoid ageing at all costs when, because it's very unconscious, you start to get this awareness of your mortality and ageing and, you know, your body gets creaky and you wake up in the morning and you're a bit sore and, you know, it takes you longer to recover. And unconsciously you can just do a whole lot of that can drive a whole lot of behavior around Mm. trying to avoid feeling all of that wow that's really I love the way you put that together yeah and I think in my mind it's important to embrace this right because if you do this deep work this will transition you beautifully into elderhood so as you Mm. remind me I say you know you don't become an elder just by getting old 
right? You don't always, emotionally always, mature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. You don't emotionally mature just by getting no. old. No. I always quote Kelly on that, guys. So, <laughs> yeah. Such a good one. Yeah. And, and like, what so is, true. Yeah. A teacher that I had, Francis Weller, who's, you know, does a lot in the grief space. So, he's very clear about this. He says the role of the elder, like, he basically says, we don't have very many elders in society. There's something that's really happened in the last 40 or 50 years. It's going to be a pear shaped that the role of the elder, is to hold space in community, right, mm. and in particular hold space for grief. That's powerful. And also, you know, for younger generations behind them. Behind them. Yeah. So, so for me, there's a couple of things that kind of need to happen in this yeah. midlife piece mm-hmm. that, um, and this, you know, the astrology, and, and I just feel like our body, yeah. calls us to it all the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all the time and you can yeah. so easily avoid it pay you know just repress it I hate the anti-aging culture because I think that encourages oh, yeah. people into this avoidance I I totally agree and I think you know what does the world need more of at the moment it needs more wise women more wise people Mm-hmm. elderhood needs people who are emotionally yeah. mature like we're seriously lacking around that yeah. Mm. yeah and so to sort of loop back to our conversation <laughs> um and to the feminine the, you know the path of the feminine and let's talk about that and what that is so we're not talking about gender here Mm, no. We're talking about <laughs> feminine qualities and Diane is going to explain what that is and it's not prescriptive and it looks different for all of us. Mm. But there's a line of thought in psychology. It's also in astrology. It's also in this feminine and masculine work that at this point in time, particularly in our 50s, what we have to learn to do is to, to integrate both our masculine and our feminine. So in psychology, they talk about becoming androgynous, which is sort of, you know, not being strongly one gender or, you know, or the other, but it's yeah. it's being able to be with both energies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you are a person that's been strongly in their feminine for a long time, maybe you need to like step into your masculine and learn that or vice versa, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we need all of those qualities. Definitely. We need all of those qualities. And because the feminine has been so denigrated, people avoid it or they show up as a very narrow version of what they think that expression can be. Mm, Yeah. And and then I realised that, oh, it's in your damn chart because it's your Venus and your Mars (laughs) as well. It helps, yeah. Right? So it's really because people are like, you know, that I coach, like, oh, I want to be more of my feminine. And I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. well, you know, how is that for you? And, well, you know, you tell me. And I'm like, I can't tell you. Like, it, there's like, it's like how long is a piece of string? Right. Yeah. And it's not, right. it's not flowy dresses and, you know, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So can we have a conversation it, about it, this? It yeah. might be, but not for everybody. Oh, it might so be, but it might not be. Not, yeah. but it might be the opposite. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I have one client and her feminine, you know, when we connected with it, used to wear dungarees and yeah, like yeah. headscarves and you know anyway but you know <laughs> that's doing parts work with oh people God. but yeah so let's yeah, yeah. so so it comes yeah. all down to that mm-hmm. yeah and um yeah and the venus and mars piece as well mm. oh such juicy stuff yeah when you were speaking about that i was remembering um someone i knew years ago who did a lot of work with um you know, I'm not saying anything wrong with this guy's work. He's done some amazing work, but David Data, oh, and yeah. at the time, the way she was interpreting the work was like, I have to be more feminine. And she was giving herself a hard time trying to be more feminine. And I was at the time, like really diving deep into astrology. I'm like, you have Venus in Aries. <laughs> like, yeah. like your, your feminine is going to look very fiery. And it, you know, it's like, so there's that cookie cutter thing. And I, I think that might've been a misinterpretation of his work quite often, um, but I'm not sure. But that that is what can go sideways when people are like, oh, I need to be in my feminine. It's like, I guess my response to that is more like, well, let's do the practices that actually connect you to your essence 
And then you can decide what that is, you know what yeah. I mean? Or you can look at your astrology to support that, but you don't need it. Even astrology can be predictive. So I try to like say that right up front. I don't use it as um predictive. Don't be, don't be prescriptive you know, about it. Prescriptive, right? Yeah, pre yeah. yeah, prescriptive. And this is who you are. And then go look it up on the internet. This is who Venus and Aries is, you know, like yeah. it's more, we all have such a unique expression. And um, one of my teachers Kaylin Costello, he says, we inform the mysteries as much as they inform us. So it's like this mm, the cyclical nature of it. Yeah, so it's always evolving. And us being here, we are actually evolving archetypes, right? Mm -hmm. and that's like when you really get there, like, wow, that's pretty exciting. So kind of use it as a template. And then, you know, really discover, you know, from in, in embodiment work, and you know the practices that we we share with people that's i think how you really start to uncover the felt sense of that yeah and, and pleasure right and, and, pl and like, oh pleasure yeah yeah, yeah and like pleasure. what is what is you know where is the safety where is the goodness where does it feel pleasurable mm -hmm. and you know that's yeah. always the pathway isn't it because the, pleasure, the feminine yeah. in like if we look at the ancient wisdom traditions from a spiritual perspective the you know that we're very focused on goddess or that sort of energy the path of the feminine is through the body yeah mm. and I remember yeah. when I first learned that and I was like oh, that makes so much sense it really does yeah <laughs> yeah and we have to bring in sensuality right on its heels right absolutely because you that's yeah. that's the sense because sensuality let's explain why so people and who are listening understand you're like sen your sensuality is the language of the body. Yes. Right. The five the five senses. senses are the language of the body. So whether you look yeah. at it from a Taoist perspective, a tantric perspective, right. even in somatic experiencing, mm. you know, the felt sense is mm. the language of that that speaks to our nervous system. Yeah. Right. Which sits it's in our 100%. nervous yeah. system is the bridge of the brain into the body. Oh yeah. So how we that interoception, that connection of what is going on on the inside is through mm -hmm. our sensuality. Absolutely. And yeah, it's going to just have, that's the direct line right there. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Mm -hmm. And I, that's why I say to, you know, I know you do as well with my clients, but when there's shame around sensuality because it's been overcoupled sexuality and that cultural yeah. shame, I'm like, it doesn't even make sense. It's the language of your nervous system. This is how you yeah. connect. Like yeah. you, this is, a pork pie, as my dad would say. He gets a, a Aussie slang for a lie, right? Like basically <laughs> it's a pork pie. Like it doesn't. I always I learned so much from you. <laughs> I'm learning Aussie speak. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense though. It's so mm. ridiculous. And then they're mm. like, yeah, it is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Or like we were taught to think like, oh, I'm not a sensual person. You know what I mean? There's like, there's, there's some kind of idea of what a sensual person is. And we're all sensual people. Oh, we're all sensual. <laughs> we're all sensual. Like we're all sensual. So if we could just get that out of the way, <laughs> then we can start to discover, you know, what these energies are in us and how they want to express, you know, with or without astrology, it's going to come to you when you, you come into. And we're not talking woo here. We're talking science. We're talking science. <laughs> we're talking science. This, yeah. I mean, go and look at all, any of like Peter Levine's work, anyone who works in that trauma mm -hmm. space. The felt sense. That's how the we access the body. Yeah. That's sensuality. How you get out of your head. Yeah, sensuality. Yeah. Yes. I remember first starting to um, do meditations with Eckhart Tolle's work and, you know, just sitting down and he has you feeling, you know, the energy in your hands. And right away it went into like this pleasure sensation to me. I'm like, wow, is there something wrong with me? I feel like so much pleasure in this meditation. <laughs> It was really kind of funny, oh, but we shut that, that down because we think, oh, that's not spiritual, right? But it is. I, that to me is the feminine, right? It's really reclaiming pleasure and sensuality as as being spiritual. It's about spirit into matter, yeah. And really bringing it back to its rightful place of you know being a, a sacred practice to to do that. Yeah. yeah. One of my Kairos, um, Catherine, who I've done a podcast with. She taught me, she's like, your home is the, sorry, your body is the home of your soul, right? Mm. And your soul is like that spirit, you know, it's such a spiritual, like the divine part of you, your life force energy, like, and I'm like, 
holy shit, we got to take care of our body. This was when I sort of was sick the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got it, you know. And then how do you connect with that? When you connect through doing, you know, exactly what Diane and I were talking about, you feel that life force energy move through you. That's how you start to connect with it by yeah. practicing the language of sensuality that builds yeah. that connection between the mind and the body. Oh, well said. Yeah. And then feeling the emotions that come up along the way as well. Right? Yes, emotions, yeah. the, the sensations and feelings that come with those emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. I say to my clients, you know, when it comes to emotions, because so many of us were taught to repress our emotions. Sure. And, you know, like our parents only, they were trying their best, a lot of us. Um, culturally, you know, we're not allowed to express anger. So many people, well, women, men, they're okay with it. Men are not allowed to express their sadness and grief. But then, cult, you know, in our family mm-hmm. systems, I don't know about you, but like a lot of us, and I think this is sort of a 70s and 80s thing, like I remember when you fall over and you're a little kid, they're like, come on, you're okay, get up, you're fine. You just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, rather than like, oh, I fell, yes, I got a fright, you know, and just being with small children, helping them co-regulate. You know, mm-hmm. some people grew up in families where, you know, emotion wasn't tolerated and so they were criticised. So it's yeah. so easy to have shut down from all Definitely. that. So it takes yeah. practice and skill and to work with someone in this space to learn how to hold that in your body because your your nervous system will just shut down every time it comes up because it's like not safe shut it out absolutely (laughs) yeah and that makes sense it's gonna like want to sell but your body's a genius at keeping you safe you know but yeah it's its job yeah yeah it's its job Mm -hmm. to keep you alive yeah yeah and it's very wise and very resilient and very yeah. I, a client of mine her husband was an anesthetist and I asked her one time I said ask him like what's the most amazing thing about the body that he knows mm. and she came back the next session and she said he said that the body needs to be able to get have space to fight for itself wow to fight for its life and I was like, wow. 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 That that could be a healing practice right there. Yeah, <laughs> have a right? Where but you that's how powerful our, yeah. you know, our fight and flight response is. Yeah. Our survival response. It needs to be able, you know, think of the immune system. It needs <clears throat> yeah. to be able to be given space to fight yeah. for its life. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That is amazing. I got chills. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's never left me. This was years ago. Okay, so back to the feminine because, you know, I get distracted mm. all the time. Yeah, me too. Why do we um, why do we disconnect from the feminine aspects or the masculine aspects? Yeah, I think a lot of it is um, kind of what you speak to a lot about how, you know, we have the, the feminine is more like our cyclical nature and our body and mm. a lot of our systems are created to not, even hold I don't want to say I can't even say the word honor that it's more like there's it's not even allowed to exist right yeah so like you have to feel bad about taking a bathroom break or something like it's just like to that degree yeah and I feel like we just get that training so young and um we just don't we stop trusting our body our body stops trusting us is probably a better way to say that because we have we develop this kind of dominator um not friendly supportive masculine inner masculine I think that kind of oppresses ourselves. It's internalized patriarchy in a way, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Where it's like, how are we treating ourselves? Are we eating when we're hungry? Are we drinking water when we're thirsty? Or like those little things really matter. Um, you know, are you so many allowing workplaces, and like I hear stories of people like, I didn't even have time to go to the toilet. I'm like, for the right. whole day? They're right. like, no. I'm like, what? I mean, to right. me, because <clears throat> they're in back-to-back meetings, this is insane. And our body's listening, as you know, yeah, all the time, all it's the time. Insane. So, yeah. So if we we're acting like that, and then we're like, "Well, why don't? Why is my libido so tanked or low? Or, you know, I don't really, you know, feel connected to my sensuality." It's of course because we're we're training that constantly when we when we are, you know, participating in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not judging. You know, it's the worst thing to do is like to give yourself a hard time about that. But you can always make a different choice, you know. And you can. And I hundred you know. percent 
blame productivity culture on this and I'm going to do a a single short podcast on it. But to my mind, (laughs) it's the worst thing that has ever happened from a humanity perspective in the workplace. The worst. Yeah, we're not a freaking robot, you know. (laughs) We are not machines. (laughs) Yeah. We are not machines. We can't just continue to just like output, 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 output. It comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. Yeah. And, you know, we, we could just plug in the feminine there because like our feminine is probably just really pissed off. Like what the hell is going on here? And that can, yeah. So well, yeah, can surface in so many ways. I mean, your body has <laughs> rhythms, right? So we have menstrual cycles, obviously females, but you know, everything in the body has a rhythm. Like even our spinal fluid has a rhythm. Yeah. A pulse, so right? Yeah. The pulse has a rhythm. Mm. The pulse is right. And <laughs> The yoni has a pulse too. The yoni has a pulse. You can only override <laughs> yeah. that with your willpower and yeah. oppression for so long until your body just goes, ah, oh, can't do this anymore. Yeah. People, and I, people are sick. Yeah. Or their libido tanks. Or they're like, they mm-hmm. just like, I just, I can't. Or inflammation, right? That's In- how our body Inflammation. Yeah, inflammation. Or chronic illnesses. Yes. Fatigue. Yeah. yeah syndromal things. illnesses. Like, mm-hmm. um, fibromyalgia, um, yeah. chronic fatigue, all that sort of stuff. I mean, I I also really wonder about all of the gynecological stuff like endometriosis, adenomyosis, mm. because that interplay between hormones and the nervous system, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fibroids, cysts, ovarian cysts. Um, yeah, yeah uh, I mean, there's so much interesting stuff to talk about there. I loved what you said about your own experience with a jade egg and this the scar tissue and the cervix. Like, wow, <laughs> you know, because that holistic practice. Do you, do you think that was part of it? Because it's not just about. I should probably say, yeah, the jade egg or the yoni egg is not just about you know putting an egg in your vagina. <laughs> no, no, no. You have yeah. to do exercises. Yeah. If you put it in, exercises. nothing will happen. Right, right. The exercises and then also the emotions that come up maybe and, you know, breathing and all those things. Right. Yeah. I guess what, so. Like yeah. the turnaround that you experience it. That's so fascinating. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess so. I mean, I can't think of I, anything I else. I don't right? know. I don't think my skin is that super amazing that I don't get scars because I have mm. them all over my body from different cuts and bruises from my childhood. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I can't put it down to anything else, right? right? And just that continuous practice of the jade egg, of course, um, I go through periods where I sort of lose interest in it a bit. And I think it's just because my body's like, eh, don't need this at yeah. the moment. Well, we're cyclical. Yeah. That's, yeah, and we're I cyclical. Think, yeah. And, I, and, and also I'm committed mm-hmm. to doing pelvic floor work. Like I do mm-hmm. even just a couple of exercises every day. And that's I think, awesome. yeah, because I, I, I feel that, I don't know, Diane. I mean, there's something for me about um, the pelvic area. Like, this, it's a structural, structurally significant in our body. Mm. It is houses our reproductive organs. That we store so much energy and emotion down there, and I yeah. just feel like when things go wrong down there, and maybe it's because it's the root chakra. Like, it kind of drives us completely mental. Mm. Um, so whether it's sort yeah. of you know, prolapse or infections or anything related to periods or, Mm -hmm. you know, menstrual, like we go a little, it makes us a little Mm. loopy, doesn't it? Yeah. I think it's a deep part of our core, you know, the floor of, oh, the floor of our core, but it's such an intricate part of our body. Yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of feel like we just got to keep keep working yeah. at you know and it doesn't have to be like mega it's just mm-hmm. a couple of things every day and then also right? you just work through the whole body like the thoracic yeah. area and yeah and that um yeah like that your pelvic floor is just so connected to so many other things your adductors your your soul your arches are part your, of your, your pelvic feet. floor yeah we yeah were talking like about that. yeah yeah because yeah, yeah we talked about that last week incredible um, so, yeah so um yeah, so in terms of each, just getting back to that Venus and Mars thing, that masculine yeah, sure. and feminine. Yeah, so when we don't integrate that, you know, is it a problem? Probably not. I mean, I just feel like life is 
we're always learning. Like life is the journey of coming home to yourself. Mm. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it totally is. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it doesn't have to happen. It's not prescriptive. It doesn't have to happen at a particular right. time, but it's right. available to you. And yeah. what, what is the cost of it not, of you not mm. integrating? Yeah, I would love to talk about the cost of, but also the benefit of integrating too. That's really fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, what can happen, I think, um, and astrology can really help with this, is that unless we own our own internal, you know, Venus and Mars, let's say, you know, feminine and masculine energy, that's oversimplifying the the spectrum of the energies. Um, we can tend to project um, out. So if, if I'm not really owning my own Mars, for example, I'll just give you a very literal example. I have Mars and Cancer, which is a very protective, nurturing, caring energy. And my husband, he has a son in Cancer, but his Mars is in Taurus, which is a very much self-referred. And he's really about like his own pleasure first, right? So it's yeah. <laughs> like in so many ways, which I really appreciate now. But I, for years, was projecting and it caused a lot of um, resentment and frustration in our relationship. And the flip of that, he would project his Venus, which is in Leo, onto me. I have Venus in Scorpio. <laughs> so it was like, you know, she's so independent queen. She's got this. And I'm emotionally Scorpio, like, I am a hot mess right now. And I need to, my emotions are important. And I need to, feel, you know, all this stuff. My husband is <laughs> Venus know. in Scorpio too. Yeah, there you go. We get, get, get stormy sometimes. We get very stormy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Venus I in think that's not to generalize. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've mm. had Venus and Mars in Cancer. It's quite interesting. You have both. So I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. The double protector. Mm hmm. I, but, um, yeah. If we don't, I think it affects our relationships, but it could also affect our health. Like we talked about earlier, if like mm. we're not um, using. Oh, here's another quote by my favorite astrologer, Caroline W. Casey. She says, when Venus is absent, Mars runs amok. And so like, if we're not connected to our own feminine energy and owning it, then our Mars energy is going to be like running a That's what I was doing. All of my energy is going out into the world and trying to take care of everybody else, Mars and Cancer. And I was tanking, yeah. you know, uh, so that's another way it can present. Yeah. 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 Well, that makes that. I see that a lot mm -hmm. with different people that I work with. I mean, um, some of the, the psych, information i've read on this and peter o'connor is an author that comes to mind where he, his book on the 50s so he talks about this masculine and feminine energy at this point why it's important to integrate it to your point like if you don't integrate it you will go seeking it external to you so yeah. one example that he talked about was um well there's two that i can think of right so uh, an interesting one uh, a female person who needs to connect, maybe they've been in the nurturing role for a really long time, they go through their midlife transition um, and they can either shut it down or they, you know, shut. when I say shut it down, just like shut off, shut themselves off from kind of their life force or they mm -hmm. can embrace it and how can they put their gifts out into the world and that Mars energy gives you that structure and energy to yeah. put it out there, right? Right, right. right? So there's mm -hmm. kind of a missed opportunity. Another yeah. example, he talks about, you know, the cliche of the 40 to 50 year old guy who um, the body is wanting to connect with the feminine energy and rather than exploring them for themselves, they seek it elsewhere and so they find a younger female partner, right? Oh, that very my God. Cliche yeah. relationship with a younger woman, right? Yes. Where, where it's just because they're and like I remember doing some work years ago. It was in the corporate sector and uh, I was doing an off-site with a whole lot of bankers and we were talking about this one night and they're like, what do you think about that? And I'm like, well, you know, I, I, this was before I knew about the sort of Venus Mars thing, but I said, you know, mm -hmm. I think there's a yearning for the life force energy and that you go seek it external rather than find the connection with your own life force, which is yeah. there, right? Yeah. It's all there. We just yeah. block out, we repress it. We block off from it. We have trauma in our mm. lives that blocks us sure. up from it and doing yeah. that you know that inner work is really important that's what connects you with with it yeah. with your sensuality with being able mm. to feel it and you know it's that that wisdom of the body saying to you this is the minute this is what you need right yeah right I love that and it's like you get that sense of wholeness or secure attachment within you know mm. of that like 
And then you can come to, I like to say, the banquet of relationship from that full place. I think we talked about this before where, mm -hmm. you know, when you show up, um, you show up from a more, not you don't have to be completely complete. Obviously, you can definitely require things of a partner. However, this, I think, was one of the things that really turned my marriage around, us both realizing and doing the inner work. And then you can come into partnership and have more fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not just demanding that this person be something that they don't really have the capacity to give. <laughs> they can't. Yeah. I mean, you can desire yeah. it, but they can't necessarily give it to you if they don't have it. And if right? they're not, yeah, but, they can't stay in their own integrity and give it to you. They'd have yeah, to become something. Because yeah. it's your, like, it's your qualities yeah. within yourself yeah. that you're 100%. seeking. And like yeah. learning to express that outward yeah. and then understanding them and then what, you know, and that's like you and I always say to clients is it's really important to understand, like, to, you know, if you want desire to live a desire-led life, to be able to use your voice and ask for what you want, but that doesn't mean the other person can give it back to you. But if right. you don't have that conversation, right. how do you know? That's when resentment sparks, you know, being yeah. an emotionally mature adult is being able to talk about all this stuff. Yes, yes. And then have be more sense open. of humor. Have more humor about it too. <laughs> have humor about it, be yeah. able to laugh being able yeah. to like you know forgive, forgive each other yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. you know to my mind when you can honor that in yourself you have yeah. more capacity in yourself therefore you have more capacity for others and where they're at and that's just Absolutely. that compassion and kindness that comes with all of that Oh, yes, Kelly. And circling back to, I love your, your quote again of you don't, you know, become an elder just by getting old. <laughs> right? You know, this, these are huge transitions that huge. You know, our society, you, that our society just ignores. Like, no, just buy a new car. You'll be fine. <laughs> buy a new car. Go on a holiday. <laughs> yeah. Go, <laughs> go and have a facial. You'll feel better. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you so know, like to me, self-care is not all those external things. I mean, they're great, but it's, sure. it's about, you know, taking that time to slow down, to do that inner work, to also like have, you know, when you do the inner work, your boundaries get better. Like, oh my so, God, you always. know, like, yeah, yeah. The, letting the people in that support you in your life and yeah. also knowing when to say, you know what, I can't do that right now because I'm exhausted, but thanks for the yeah. invitation or, you know, like Definitely. to me, that's self-care. Right. I I'm right with you. I find that with my clients all the time when they start doing that embodiment work, it's like the boundaries happen almost naturally. Yeah. You know, and it's instead of having to read a lot of books about how do I create boundaries, it's like your your body Just, can teach you how to you. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The more you learn how to feel your feelings, the more you learn how to be with your emotions, the more yeah. that you orient towards pleasure and what feels good. Mm -hmm. You know, it's same in trauma work, like what feels good? Where do we find that safety in our body? The, the safety, boundary, right? it just it just the boundaries just like become so obvious to us, don't they? Yeah, it's really beautiful that whole how that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I might finish the conversation there. We've been going for a while now. I think hey, Diane, yeah. you've got your mastermind coming up. Yeah. Well, we, we just closed the doors for this semester. Um, so we, we open uh, two times a year. So we, we yeah, run on a semester okay. basis. Yeah. yeah. So when's the so, next one coming up? That'll be January. Yeah. And um, I also have an astrology reading. Um, if people just want to you know, have a report done for their chart. Um, it's called Goddess on a Mission. Yeah, I think we did one together years ago. <laughs> yeah, we did. When you a long time ago. Right? Yeah, so you'll see Kelly's testimonial on that page. Um, but yeah, so right now we're heading into the semester. So I'll be, you know, diving deep with my ladies there. And uh, January, we'll be opening the doors again. And um, yeah, we try to keep Ooh. it we try to keep it cyclical and, uh, you know, flowing because um, I find with this work, um, we need to be able to pulse out of it and pulse into it. So I kind yeah, of I agree. that way, instead of just like here, it's going to blow your mind. Let's do <laughs> a real intensive. We've all, we've all experienced that before. And it's like, well, it's not that kind to the nervous system, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you need yeah. to go, need to pace it. And your website's shaktikor.com and yep. your Instagram's vital goddess. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's at vital.goddess. Yeah, and Diane has a really good podcast where she does like every week, like quick, about 20 minutes on her own. Mm. Sometimes she interviews people. i got to get you uh, back on there. (laughs) You're going to find Kelly on there soon. (laughs) I just, yeah, mine are a bit longer, but I just, um, well, when I'm on my own, I, I talk for 20 minutes maybe 15 20 minutes but I like Diane's podcast if you're interested in all the stuff that we talked about today like go and listen because she just Mm. has such great pearls of wisdom every week you know and it's easy to listen to because they're quick and you just can go for a bit of a wander a bit of a walk and or you know do a bit of housework put your earphones in and thank you Diane (laughs) Diane wisdom and love (laughs) that's the best testimonial ever thank you (laughs) best review I should say yeah yeah thank you so much oh it's been such a pleasure Kelly always thanks for having me you're welcome Mm -hmm.